0: Hey, Joe Pellegrino, and welcome to Legacy Lifters, uh, the podcast for legacy-minded men. Today, my guest is very, very close friend of mine, a two-time Super Bowl champion with the New York Giants, Lee Roussan. Welcome, Lee. Hey, what's up, big Joe? Glad to be here, man.
1: Glad to be a part of um, lifting up him for Legacy Lifter, man.
0: Amen. See Amen. So, so Lee, uh, first of all, l- let's get a little bit into your background. You grew up in North Carolina, right? Yes. And uh, played a little bit of football, I think. Yeah, but I, I was growing up in New Jersey first. Oh. You know, yeah,
1: when I was real little. Um, my, again, my, my I, I was forced to move. My family was forced to move down to North Carolina because my father was a bodyguard for Michael Mecks, and the night that he was assassinated, uh, the FBI um, – forced my dad to leave. So I was going to be a Jersey boy, uh, but then um, I had to go to North Carolina. I came back, though. I, I, I've lived longer here than I have in North Carolina, uh, you know, since I was
0: drafted by the football giants. Wait, wait, so so your father was a bodyguard for Malcolm X? Yes. Talk talk a little bit about that. Well, well, my father
1: uh, was, was being uh, mentored by this very wealthy real estate guy because he came across my dad um, at, at a party, he was. It was a bunch of successful real estate people. They all get. To, they would get together, and the guy who my mother and father worked for, they were maids. Um, he 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 played this game. He would give every, all of his guests a dictionary, and 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 he would tell them go to anywhere in the dictionary because my my servant here, my 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 employee, um, Cecil Roussan, he's brilliant. He you know whatever word he know the definition, and and so. Um, this one guy who was there was enamored with my dad, you know, saying, wow, this, this black man is really, really smart. You know, I can make him successful in real estate. I can teach him. So my parents left New Jersey and moved to Washington Heights so they can be close to where the man lived in, on Long Island. But at that same time, Joe, Malcolm X was kicked out of the Nation of Islam. And he formed his own organization, the Afro-American Unity Organization, in which my father joined. Because he was in Malcolm, Malcolm, he was inviting African men from all walks of life, no matter what religion, whatever, to come and be a part of this new unity that he, that he began to envision. And um, and so <clears throat> that night he was going to give a, a talk. You know, his his message was: Listen, doesn't matter what what color we are, if you're red, yellow, black, or white, it's time for all of us to come together. In a certain kind of harmony. He was, there was a change going on in his life. And he was gonna share this message, but he never did because that night he was assassinated. And that same night, the FBI comes to my dad and says, Cecil, you know you haven't done anything wrong, but if you don't leave New York right now, you will be investigated. So that same night, my
0: family moved to Greensboro, North Carolina. That's where I grew up. Wow. That's that's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing that. So so you're in you're in Greensboro, North Carolina. You're playing football. What was it like to play football in Greensboro, North Carolina for Lee Roussan? Well, um, I was a part of history. I I, I called
1: myself a freedom fighter. Um, nineteen seventy two I was the I was the first black kid to, to make a pop won a team. And that's another story. Um, but um, from from there a lot of things in an accelerated uh, rate began to change in, in, in America as, as well as Greensboro, North Carolina. And football be, became an opportunity for me to become a positive role model, for me to 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 develop and stand on a platform for positive change and, and impact in this world. So for me. Football not only was something that I loved doing, and you know, but it gave me an opportunity to grow in life and to develop um, who I am, and and again make a difference in this life.
0: And you were highly recruited. You were one of the top running backs in the country. Give us some of the schools that were looking at you. Well, I,
1: I, pretty much everybody, but I narrowed it down to um, most of the schools in North Carolina: uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Wake Forest, North Carolina State, uh, Duke. Um, I, uh, Tennessee, all the schools around down south, Michigan State, Pitt, um, Southern Cal, um, Colorado, all the schools. And then I eventually chose the University of
0: Colorado. And about eight days, if I remember correctly, after you, uh, agreed to go to Colorado, there was an announcement on TV. Well, about three days. Three so days.
1: the national signing date was February the 13th, February the 16th, um, it was announced that the University of Colorado was, was put on um, NCAA probation uh, for, for an infraction that had occurred 13 years prior to that time, which was 1980. So uh, myself and my teammates, we, we immediately realized that we had to face the consequences of choices that somebody else made.
0: Hmm. And
1: you had a choice. You could have opted out, but you didn't. Why? I could have opted out but I would have lost a year. Um, it would have been kind of strange because I didn't choose that school initially. So I, I decided to face the consequence. Even yes. though I didn't I, I didn't even though I didn't do anything wrong, but I, I the the consequence was that for the most part my dreams weren't gonna come true. I wasn't gonna experience the the aspirations that I hoped for. Um having a, a fun college career, winning the Heisman Trophy Award, becoming All-American, uh, just all those dreams that I, and aspirations that I that I had set for myself. Because we were on probation for three years, uh, more than likely none of those things were going to happen, and, and exactly the fact came true that they did not happen.
0: So for those people who don't know about college football and the probation period, why weren't those things going to come true? What actually was the consequence? Well, the consequence was when you put on um, probation, you don't receive
1: monies from the conference, from the athletic conference, which is huge because they, they, they profit share. Uh, so like we were the Big A conference and, and all the bowl games and all the monies that come into the, the, to the schools fr- from that sport football are shared and it helps to, to support all the other sports. So so, Colorado's probation is really bad. It was so bad that they get rid of all the women's sports because they didn't have money to support them. They get, they get, they get rid of the men's baseball team. It was unbelievable. I, I, I experienced discrimination not because I was black in a predominantly white environment, but because I was a
0: football player. Hmm. And if I remember correctly, you couldn't be on TV either, right? So nobody really knew who Lee Roussan was. You can't be on television. You can't receive – they take away
1: the, the amount of scholarship that you can offer um, young kids coming out of high school. So we couldn't get better for three years. We, we couldn't compete with all the, the amounts or the numbers of scholarships the other teams in, in our conference were giving out to
0: kids. Hmm. So it was, it was a really, really bad probation. And, but you didn't quit. You stayed with it. And you had a pretty good college career, but something happened in your senior year why don't you tell us about that that kind of led you to get into the NFL? Well, um, what happened in my senior year
1: right before Christmas, uh, I, I really believe that um, I, um, I began to recreate myself in terms of, of, of thinking, thinking I knew who I was throughout my life. I mean, if you'd asked me who were you when I was in junior high school, I would have said, I'm, I'm, I'm black. Uh, that identity coming from the fact that most of the, people, most of the people around me, Blacks, whites, you know, you Black, man. You know, you better walk Black, talk Black, smell Black. You better be Black. And, and the challenge was, well, which Black should I be? Uh, should, I, should I be a fearful Black, or, 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 a bourgeois Black, or I want to be white Black? I mean, because there's all different kinds of Blacks. In other words, there's different kinds of mentalities that I grew up with. And, and a lot of the Black people around me, I, I saw that they chose one of those. So a lot of my friends were like fearful black. Some of my friends were bushy black and, and other of my friends were, I want to be white black, you know? Uh, but, you know, when I was a junior in high school, I wasn't black anymore. Most of the people, whites, blacks who have grown ups, kids, they didn't treat me like I was black anymore. You know, they, they was like, yo, what's up Lee Rousseau? you famous. You're going to be rich one day. So from, from, from the identity of of my nationality you know or, or, or the mentality of of my nationality to to um you know to my reputation my so-called brand um i, I went from one to the other uh, but my senior year in, in in college i was in i was on a bus and and I saw this guy. He was just different than everybody. And for the first time in my life, I realized I didn't know, really know who I was because being black or, or Lee Ruskine wasn't working. To because I, I I was in a place where um, yes, I was in a, this football game that um, that propelled most of the ball players who were in that game to the next level of the NFL in the first and second round. What game I was that? Mean, that was the blue-gray football All-Star Classic that was, that was played every mm-hmm. year on Christmas Day. I think they stopped it about four or five years ago. Um, but I, I, I was in that game not because of my talents and abilities or, or reputation because I didn't have I, – I hadn't acquired a 1,000-yard season as a running back. I didn't have hardly any touchdowns. Again, we didn't go to a bowl game. Um, I was more famous in high school than I was at that part of my life. So people – if somebody would have said my name, the majority uh, of responses would be Lee Hoop. Um, but, um, you know, But I'm in this game, I was told because of my character, because I never gave up. And mm. in, 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 in that whole experience, in those five years at Colorado, and that's what the, the, the head coach of the Blue Gray experience told me. I, I chose you because of your character. You mm. never quit. You didn't give up. And I got an airplane ticket waiting for you at the, at the Denver airport. I want you to fly to Montgomery, Alabama. So here I am in this experience for the first day, and, and, I'm, and, and I'm realizing, you know, I, I have no clue who I am. And, and, and so I'm, I'm in the front of the bus after practice the first day. And I'm looking at this guy, and he was just different everybody. I was like, who are you? And he said, I'm the best wide receiver in the NFL. My name is Jerry Rice. I'm from Mississippi. And I was like, whatever. But, but that experience, not at that moment, I treasured it. I remembered it. It was, it was a moment that was treasured in my heart. And about 10 years later, I remembered it. And from at and in that, in that point in my
0: life, I decided who I was. So let's be clear here. You're sitting on a bus, a college bus with this guy named Jerry Rice, and he's telling you while he's in college that he's the greatest wide receiver in the NFL. This is before he ever caught one pass in the NFL, and everything he said came to fruition. And at that point in time, Lee Roussan had to do a serious gut check into who he was. So that is a powerful statement by Mr. Rice. What was it like watching him? actually step into that role well as i shared he he wasn't
1: he i mean he was but he wasn't Mm because we weren't even in the nfl yet right so so in terms of asking me how that was it was really a great experience because as i share with with others that 20 years later he retired as the all-time best wide receiver ever in the National Football League. So my experience was hearing his, was his words, remembering his words, hmm. and, and, and looking at in, in time, right, the fact that he became what he, what he had decided. Hmm. So he decided who he was before he was. Mm-hmm. So that taught me a lesson that, that the choice of deciding a choice in your heart Okay, is 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 a part of 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 a decision and 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 becoming. So when we decide, I, I learned from Jerry Rice when he he decided who he was before he was. I don't know how old he was. The fourth grade, ninth grade. I never asked him that question. But whenever he decided who he was, it was before the the, the moment, the day, or the year that he decided to retire. But when he retired, he 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 had become. The choice that he made in his heart, wow, and so for me, that that, changed, that helped change my life because and it's not about a football type choice or anything, but it's, a, it's, a, it's about the spirit and the, and the decision that he made, and it really helped me in my life to to, to be who I am right now
0: mm. and eventually, you did get drafted by the football New York Giants yes. And so talk to us about, I mean, you, you you have been blessed to play not in one, but two Super Bowls and win both of them. So you've got two Super Bowl rings. Perseverance has followed you all throughout your life. You've, you've, you've not quit. You, you've been persistent. Can you share with us a couple of stories? I, I know that there's two from both of those games that really illustrate the story of perseverance and persistence.
1: Thank you. I, I, it's one of the, one of the greatest topics of conversation is one of the greatest, um, words that come from our Lord Jesus Christ that I love to talk about Mm -hmm. and to encourage others with, uh, and that is, um, to, to patiently endure whatever comes at us in our lives In our lives. The Lord says he will reward us. Um, I look back at 1989 when Gene Upshaw called me on the phone. I was in my house in Flanders, New Jersey, and I get a phone call from Gene Upshaw, and he says, um, hey, Lee, um, listen, um, you know, we you know we certified from the union, and, and, and right now the NFL is in violation of the antitrust laws, and, and, and we have an opportunity to take the NFL, the corporate free agency, because they're not going to give us anything. They're not gonna, they, 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 we're not going to have anything that's, that, is, that's, that is helping us to get better and and it's for areas in our life that we deserve. So we're gonna take, we're gonna to go to court. You have the strongest case, but we're not gonna call it the Lee Rousseau case because nobody knows your name. We're gonna call it the Freeman McNeil case. Freeman is is probably not gonna win because he's making a lot of money right now, but he's not in it for the money. He's in it for the fight and for what's right. So I said, Well, I'm in it too. Just like that. I said, I'm in. He said, well, listen, man, uh, I'm just going to warn you, uh, you know, it it may be a rough journey. Are you prepared for it? I said, listen, man, I I have nothing to lose, right, at this point in my career. I'm all in. So So 1990 comes. I hold out in training camp for two weeks. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of a backup running back holding out. I was a backup running back, and I was holding out. <laughs> and and Bill Parcells finally calls me, and, and I remember I'm sitting in my house in, in New Jersey. He says, listen, Lee, I need you to come in. I said, well, Bill, I said, play me or trade me. And he goes, I'll tell you what. If you come in and it works out for you, good. If it doesn't, I'll release you. Because at that point, they changed the NFL system. It was called Plan B. We had a Plan B. So they Plan B is where... Every NFL team protected 30 ball players, and the rest of the ball players were so-called free agents. So Bill was telling me, if it doesn't work out for you, I'll release you. I will not protect you like I've been doing the last two years. I won't protect you. You'll be unprotected and you'll be free to negotiate a contract with any other NFL team. See, that's one of the reasons why my case was so strong because every, the last two years, the Giants would protect me, but, but, but um, I wasn't free to negotiate a contract with anybody else. But when my contract came up, I, I had nothing to negotiate, nothing. And, and where other guys who were unprotected and were given opportunities to play more were free to, to negotiate contracts with other teams. Eventually, I, I won the court case, but, but before that, here, so here I am, the 1990 season. I, I, come, in, I come into training. I report to camp at one point we were 10 and 0 we were undefeated beating everybody and i remember i was i was miserable because i had zero carries as a running back i was not a part of the, the game plan they did not let me play i wasn't invited to uh the giants functions um they even left me out of the photo they had a photo crop me at some point in the team photo i was humiliated i was it, I, I really wasn't totally ready, because and, and because at that point I was a double-minded hypocrite. Even though I would go to chapel, and and um, you know and and Bible study, I was still hanging out with other guys, just being wild and loose, and just doing what I felt like doing, trying to cover up the pain that I was going through. And um, so, so um, we we lose three games in a row. Uh, then we come back and win the rest of the games of the season, go enter into the playoffs. Eventually we beat the 49ers who were trying to repeat. We beat them in the championship game, an NFC championship game. So we're, 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 we're divisional champions um, headed to the Super Bowl. They decide to play the Super Bowl the very next week. They're not going to wait two weeks like that, like the tradition, in, in Tampa, Florida. So we get there the first day in meetings. Um, I, I recognize I'm not going to carry the ball in the Super Bowl. Now my, 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 my wife is there, my, my three children, my, my parents are going to come to the game, uh, some of my friends. I just lost it. I, I stormed out of the meeting room. I'm, I'm, I'm going to my car. I'm going to go to the hotel, pick up my wife and my kids, and we will we'll leave. And I'm done. I just had enough. I couldn't take it anymore. I, was just, I, I never quit in my life, but that's what I, where I was headed. And right in that moment. And so I'm getting ready to get in my car and I hear a voice go, Roo-Roo! And it was a player who just came from the Dallas Cowboys of all teams, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, his name was Everson Walls and one of the best men that i ever met in my life. Everson has always put other people before him. He's always treated people like they were a million dollars. He's just one of the guys, I'm telling you, all-time, Guys that people anybody in NFL says he, he, he just incredible. And but when he when he said hey Ruru, I lost it. I started cursing, I, I started going nuts, screaming, man. I hate the giants when they taking my dreams from me. I was just going crazy. And he he, he kissed in my face. He, he doesn't say, yo. Lee, let's have a drink. Let's go get a drink. He gets in my face and he starts spitting in my face. He goes, This ain't about you. You better snap out of this right now. I've never won this. You're not gonna take this from me and the whole team. Your time is gonna come. You understand me? And in that moment, after he got in my face, and 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 after those words of love just penetrated my spirit, I knew that it was the love that I needed in that moment because all of that hate and that, that frustration and that that bitterness and that pain that was in me, it all went away. I was free from it. That's what that love did. I was so free. I got in my car. I drove to the hotel to go kiss my wife and kids. I couldn't even talk. I, I, I couldn't even say nothing. I just, to this day, I wonder what they, they probably don't remember. They were just happy to see me for a minute. I didn't say anything. I just hugged him and kissed him. I didn't take him to the airport and go back to New Jersey. I got in my car and then my telephone rang. And it was a chaplain for the Giants. He said, Lee, for the first time in history, we're going to have two ballplayers from each team share their testimony. And this is a furthermore, another way that God was humiliating. I was going through a humiliating type of thing. So here I am, a double-minded hypocrite. And God is going to have me be the first ballplayer in the NFC to share his testimony at the NFL um, Super Bowl breakfast, mm-hmm. where Joe Gibbs was the head coach, he was the recipient that year, and and Mike Singletary was the player of the year. And Frank Wright, he represented the the Buffalo Bills. He shared his testimony, and of course, I had zero carries in in the game, but I had about five special team plays that helped us win that hard fought
0: game which was won 20 to 19. Wow. You persevered. And then what happened when you saw the clock? Well that was Super Bowl 21. Right. Uh, I I love to
1: when I when I'm speaking in the schools and 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 to men, I love to share, you know, like if I got my Super Bowl rings on, I like to say, you see this bling bling right here? Let me tell you something. I remember when the zeros came on the clock in Super Bowl XXI in Pasadena, California, it said, said, Giants 39, Broncos 20. And in that moment, I realized that I was a Super Bowl champion. In that moment, just be with me. Just be in a moment with me, everybody. In that moment, when those zeros came on the clock, that meant the game was over. And in that moment, I realized I'm a Super Bowl champion. You know why? And I ask people say, you know why? They go, pe- people don't want to say, they just, they just look at me. I go, because I'm cute. And they, you know, and I say, no, it's not because I'm cute. It's because I never gave up. And I said, because I, di- I never gave up, when the zeros came on the clock, I realized a lifelong dream, and even more than a dream, I realized what was waiting for me. And I, and I shared this with so many people because I said, listen, everybody, when you come to Christ, the zeros come on the clock.
0: Mm.
1: You have the victory right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The game is over. The, the game that you, we've been playing in life is over now. Now we have, when the zeros come on the clock because of what Jesus did, we have life. Now it's time for us to live it. Mm.
0: Let's go. And Lee, you've done this, you've spoken for over 25 years to over a million kids all over this country, and you've given them a message of hope and a message not to quit. Who are you, what are you doing these days? Well, that's, I'm doing the same thing. I'm, I'm, I still speak
1: all over the country, and um, now I'm, I'm, I have a consulting company called Move Your Chains. Hmm. Again, and that's just a part of of, of patiently enduring. It's a part of never giving up. Having grit Um, is to move forward. How how do we move forward? When when we move forward, we're not giving up. We're not caught up in the past. We're not worried about the future. We are moving forward. We're moving toward our goals and we're overcoming the challenges that try to hold us back. I I heard one, one brother said, he said, listen, man, he said, God doesn't give us overcoming life. He, he gives us life when we overcome. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm partnering with, with um, you know, men of God like Joe Pellegrino and, and Juan Garcia and, and other great men, uh, you know, all around and, and people who, who uh, are focused on, on making a certain impact and, and helping us through the times that we are that all experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's and it's and it's and it's difficult. A lot of people don't don't look at moving the chains, you know, from the perspective that, that we're talking about. They want to move forward in their own way. They mm-hmm. want to move forward with shortcuts. They want to move forward with their philosophies, and, and 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 their ways. And you know, again, being caught up in the past and worried about the future, but that's not the way that God has called us to move forward. Mm. He calls us to move forward not based on the past or the future, but based on the present, based on the fact that he 's present with us, that his presence, his love his hope his his enduring patience his his plans for our lives they're they 're in his presence they're in the present of life that 's we'll, that 's how we move forward
0: mm. Lee. Awesome word, brother. And I just hope everybody out there is is hearing this loud and clear. You know, we never know how close we are to victory if we quit too soon. Continually recognize that we keep our feet moving. You know, when, when Lee talks about moving the chains, obviously it's a football metaphor. And it's understanding that it takes 10 yards, 10 simple yards, 30 feet for us to get a first down. And that 30 feet can seem like an eternal (laughs) chasm, but you got to grind it out. Three, three, five, and we're there. But we need people to come around us, push us forward, hold us accountable, because when we do that, we can't lose. So I want to thank you, Lee, for being part of uh, Legacy Lifters. Awesome job, brother. And just continue to do what you're doing and, and move the chains, big guy. Thank you. Can I, just, can I just encourage everybody with one, one last
1: uh, scripture, one point. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 reads, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God, the man and woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And my point is is men, we are meant to be fully equipped, not partially prepared. The word of God and prayer teaches us, rebukes us, corrects us, and trains us with, for every good work. And I didn't, I didn't say just me, I said us. So it's a it's unity thing, everybody. Mm. It is impossible to conduct or live our true lives as a follower or disciple of Christ without definite times of secret prayer and working out his word. So I want to challenge everybody to continue to get into that secret place, spend that time that huddle with with God, with you and him in that secret place, And and when he fills your heart with himself, okay, when you come out that huddle, okay, that's when you work it out. That's when you run toward the goal. That's when you press on. And that's when you obtain that land. Your heart, your mind continue continue to build it in Christ and be ready for whatever is going that you got to face in this world.
0: There's really nothing else I can add to that. So all I'm going to say is thanks for watching Legacy Lifters. We're here for you at legacymindedmen.org. Reach out. May God bless you. And again, thanks for watching.